Hey, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into Cheap Heat, if you're looking for a great podcast, you want to find out everything that's going on in sports, make sure you check out the ESPN Daily wherever you find podcasts. Mina Kimes does an amazing job, all the biggest stories in sports. Check out the ESPN Daily ASAP. Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one sports and recreation podcast in the world, Cheap Heat. Um, I am Peter Rosenberg. I am in Maryland for the second week in a row. Stack guy Greg is in Philadelphia. Um, Today, we're doing it a little bit different. Um, We're going to be joined by Adam Copeland. To you and I, you may know him as Edge. And SGG, you're very excited about this as you are an edgehead. Yeah, a long time, long time edgehead. I, you know what? I got to tell you, I don't know if I – what's like the actual qualifications for being an edgehead? Because I, I have questions about it because I would say based on how much you talk about Bret Hart, we all know that how you feel about Bret Hart. Right, however, However, being an edgehead, we never even really heard about this until the second this was booked. And then you went, I'm this actually, is false. I'm this actually is false. an edgehead. This is false. Uh, we, You and I have debated edge on this show. It was years ago, but you have to be an OG cheeky peckerhead to remember this. You and I have debated edge. And then I'm a staunch defender of edge online because a lot of people seem to feel like he's overrated. And I don't get that. He he is in a class by himself. He he doesn't get the credit he deserves. What 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 do you mean class by himself? So for example, right, Edge, there's nobody in wrestling who's done what Edge has done. Edge has held every title that was available to him in the WWE when he was when he was around. That includes King of the Ring, Money in the Bank, Cruiserweight, Royal Rumble winner, available to him. He's not able to be a cruiserweight champion just like he was available to be a women's champion he didn't he didn't make the weight class i i'd have to i have to check his i want to check the the receipts on his weight by day over the course of his entire career <laughs> okay. okay that's fair so wait no one else hbk doesn't have that no nope. what HBK did he H- was never never king of the ring never money in the bank oh Triple well, H was never money in the bank and then, it, like I said, it's every time. So not only was it every tag team championship, but it was every version of the tag team championship was available. Every belt on every show. When he had the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship. Yep. Intercontinental United States, European, hardcore. Wow. I mean, this is more you than – this is – Slammy, Hall of Fame ring. He, he did it all with the Hall of Fame ring, too. Well, I mean, you knew that was coming at the end. It's yeah, not like it's not it. like that. That that one, you know. Listen, is it as good as those Marvel medals that you have in the background? There, no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. If you're watching us on YouTube, and by the way, just a couple of quick notes. Number one, make sure you're following the Ultimate Wrestling merch on Instagram. The page is growing. It's 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 by leaps and bounds. SGG. Yeah, uh, I can't wait. You know, you're digging into the archives. The, pe- the people they've heard about your collection, but I don't think everybody knows. And and also, and not all of it's my collection. You know, some of it's just great merch, um, you know, that needs to be seen by the people. Um, and some of it, I like, you know, I just get, I get sent to me or I just try to find. So make sure you follow the Ultimate Wrestling merch. But also, until we figure out something better, I have started posting, um, I'm going to start posting our interviews like today, like The Undertaker in full, up on my YouTube channel. Um, 
So I want to do more videos of the show week to week. And if people that way, they want to see, because sometimes you don't just want to hear the physically large. You want to see. The <laughs> large. Of course. And yeah. so that is an option for you on my YouTube channel. Just look up Peter Rosenberg YouTube. You'll find it. Um, probably need to rename my YouTube channel too. There's a lot of work that needs. Yo, I really threw away money by not caring for my YouTube channel many years ago. <laughs> Why you say that? Because like at the time when the channel was growing and starting to make it like it's starting to get a lot of views, I started working at hot and, and just didn't focus. You know, I, I've never been good at multitasking. It's like once I'm working at a job, that's where I'm working. So I'm not like growing my individual stuff. And as a result, you know, like I, if I'd been promoting my YouTube channel for all those years and putting content on it, I'd have way more YouTube followers and you can get real money on YouTube now. Yeah. Especially with the monetized videos. That's what, like, in fact, I, I think I may even be sharing my channel with hot 97, which is a different kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> I need to look into that. Um, anyways, so we are going to talk to edge in a few minutes. Is there anything SGG to get to before we get to edge from this week in professional wrestling? Feels like a great week to do an interview because it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot going on. But uh, there was some contract signings on Monday Night Raw. Oscar and Sasha Banks made official for the next pay per view, as with uh, the Drew McIntyre Dolph Ziggler match. Um, NXT announced that they'd be reviving the Great American Bash, and I believe Night One of the Bash is tonight. Um, night Two is next week, as we know. Keith Lee is going to go on to face Adam Cole in a winner take all match for Night Two of the. Great American Bash. So I mean, oh, so they they really do. You, do you think that this is coincidental programming up against uh, what's the AEW pay per view tonight? A free per view? Is, is it Bash at the Beach? They're doing a Bash at the Beach. I know AEW revived. No, Bash no, no. At the Beach. It's um, Fighter Fest is coming up soon too. It's Fighter Fest. It's Fighter Fest night one. <laughs> is it? Is also going to be two nights? Fighter yes. Fest. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. So it's definitely some counter program going on. That's very interesting. All right. Um, might as well, too. Like, you know, Bash at the Beach is a great name. Revive the history. Tap right into, like, that WCW connection. Although I'll tell you, you know, this conversation's gone on in our group chat a bit. To me, the way to utilize Bash at the Beach right now... I mean, it's would, Great American Bash. I'm sorry. I said I'm Bash sorry. Oh, it's Great American Bash. Sorry, yeah, yes. American Bash. Yo, Great American Bash at the Beach, son. Yeah, why not? No, but I... You're... The Great American Bash is a dope, it's a fun brand to use, no doubt. However, the Bash at the Beach, they should change SummerSlam to SummerSlam colon Bash at the Beach. Forever and, or just like this No, no, year for this it. year. So you could do a very limited crowd show. Now, the problem is it appears that every place where a beach event is happen could potentially happen has a spike in COVID-19. Yeah. Well, what they could do though is like just get like a private you could though. To the beach. Yeah. And then just put their people in the crowd that they were gonna have anyway. Whoever they were gonna have at the paper, you have their people just lock it off, no access, hold it down for however much. And time and, and at least give SummerSlam a different feel, you know? Yeah. I think that would be super cool, man. I think SummerSlam SummerSlam at the something. SummerSlam at the performance center is not the move. It should be SummerSlam bash at the beach you get a private beach um in fact it's safer than what's going on week to week at a performance center because you get to work outside um and you have everyone outside have it look dope you know you know how dope it was like with bash at the beach when it would go from like yeah. daytime to nighttime um, yeah i love those outdoor pay-per-views for that I, exact reason I, I i would love that so i hope they consider that um you know they came up with a there's a, I don't know if you know this, SGG, but there is a pay-per-view yet around, around the corner. When is the, the next pay-per-view? Extreme Rules. Horror Show. The Horror Show. <laughs> yeah. Extreme Rules, The Horror Show, is uh, July 19th. Yo, man, it's so crazy looking at my calendar and just seeing these dates and cities I was supposed to be in, except now there is no city. So wait, where was this one supposed to be? San Jose. Mm. Kind of sad. Um, well, Connecticut's nice this time of year, right? You get to go to Stanford. It's true. It's a great time of year to go to Stanford. I will say this, though. 
you know, I can't hate on Stanford because Connecticut is one of the two states in the country where COVID is officially in decline. Oh. So I can't be mad at, at Connecticut. Um, Dip sent us a random text, very upset today, upset about Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, it feels, it feels like it came through a little late. Um, Because they've well, been going for like months now, right? I, it was like right after Mania, right? Yeah. And Gallows and Anderson, there's speculation that they will be um, – They'll be joining Impact. So we'll see how that shake, actually shakes out. But that's the, t- that's the word on the street. As of one day, yo, Im- is that re- oh, That's not it. Yo, are people maybe still the, watching maybe Impact? Maybe is it. Yeah, I, I know. Like, every once in a while, Goldstein or Linder or someone will say something about Impact Wrestling. And I'm like, is that a thing? Yes, yeah, still a thing. And as a matter of fact, speaking of impact, they fired Tessa Blanchard. Um, I believe the reason was because she was supposed to, she had some obligations to the company that she just refused to fulfill, according to them. Um, she was their world champion and was supposed to like, she's quarantined in Mexico, didn't want to come back and get risk and risk not being able to go back to Mexico where she's quarantined with her fiance. And um so the compromise was like, okay, you can tape some promos, send them to us. We'll figure out a way to get past this. And she wouldn't even do that. So they fired her, stripped her of the title. What a, we- what a disaster uh, it's been since Tessa Blanchard got this amazing opportunity to be the world champion. As far as I know, SGG, the first woman to ever be world champion. I believe that's correct. Um, Not just in impact, but I think ever yeah no i believe ever so and like and and seems like since it happened there's just been one thing after another you know she people pull out the racist bullying Mm -hmm. stories of which there seemed like there were many and many people to corroborate and then they stick with her through that they ride it out and now she's unwilling to do the things they needed her to do and so they just have to fire her which is why if I'm WWE or AEW, I don't even touch her. She doesn't seem like she's worth the trouble. I don't like. I don't think she's gonna get enough. Not now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she's worth the trouble. I think they leave her right where she is. I think they should because you don't want to risk with the racial stuff that came out. You don't want to risk that. You know, with the locker room bullying stuff, you don't want to risk her becoming a cancer to the locker room. And then, if, if, even if you take those two things out of the equation. You know, she's quarantined in Mexico with your championship and won't even do, like, some pre-tapes. You don't want to risk that either. Like, that's just unprofessional. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think there's any circumstance in which you gamble with Tessa Blanchard um, at this point. You know? Listen, she's young. If, if in five years you get the sense she's a different person um, and she works the indies and her reputation changes and she goes out there and talks about making all kinds of life changes then one day you could visit it but what's the advantage now are people really buzzing yeah, about Tessa blanchard and they already have charlotte who's so much better with none of the problems and now like, if Tessa, everything that tessa will bring to the table well but on the flip side if tessa blanchard wasn't a problem it, the idea of a feud between charlotte and tessa would be cool yeah but it's I mean, not worth it like it's I don't. Th- I don't think. I don't think it's enough. Um, uh, the the Tully legacy, as great as he was, it's not like that's going to like make a, g- a gazillion dollars. Um, right. And yeah, so they this- already have like other multi generational women's talent from other families. Like they have Natalia already. They have Naya already. Like The Rock's daughter is right there waiting in the wings. Like. Well, listen, I, we're, we're honestly giving this entirely too much time because there's not any consideration. I haven't heard one rumor about her going <laughs> anywhere. Well, let's just um, kill it anyway. It's a bad idea, everybody. It's a bad idea. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's gonna gonna happen. Um, anything else? Was there any? Was there anything else big out of uh, out of Raw this week? Uh, obviously, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so we can't speak about no AEW, no NXT. 
yeah we can't we can't we can't really say much about that um let's let's look at the mailbag a little bit as we're waiting for great uh sug's hero yes his yes. canadian hero on canada day too i can't think of a better on canada day 25 years to the day since his first match i mean come on um david writes us and says rewatch brett versus perfect at SummerSlam." um one is perfect underrated properly rated or overrated um i think perfect's always underrated um, always always underrated we got a run in um oh speaking of underrated um money plane is available wherever you can find uh film on the internet so if you're if you're old you may need to ask your sons or daughters for help but it's available <laughs> wherever you can get digital movies and the star adam edge copeland is here edge how are you man i'm good sorry i'm late i i just finished with booker and you know you know how that goes sometimes. So. Now, let me tell you something, Ed. You, you a big guy. You a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> so me and Book were just waxing poetic on the, on the wrestling industry. So sometimes that can run a little over. Uh, well, good. I hope you, I hope you left a, a little bit in the tank because, um, first of all, I didn't even realize that my co-host, that guy, Greg, is a self-proclaimed edgehead. So yes. Yes, indeed. You, you don't need to self-proclaim. Really. I mean, you are. Exactly. That's it. Exactly, we're proud. I, I am, am, am giving you the, the tap of honor. You're an edgehead. That's it. I've been knighted. <laughs> yes. Uh, and by the way, Edge, I saw you tweet earlier. First, happy Canada Day, first of all. Thank you. 28 years ago today, I became, it was my first match. So where was that match 28 years ago? That Monarch Park in Toronto, uh, or Toronto, as we would say it. I had to, you know make sure everyone understood me um, on Canada day. And it was about a hundred degrees and the canvas was so hot that when you took a bump, it felt like you were burning your back. Who were you? Who'd you work with? Uh, it was a handicap tag. It was myself, the gallant knight, uh, El Fuego. Okay. Again, um, Joe legend, the American gladiator. Uh, yeah, that was the match. Uh, so was this Sexton Hardcastle or was this another? Area? This was Adam Impact. <laughs> Adam Impact. Yeah, I had so I had some some real good names over the years. <laughs> you ever think about how great your career would have been if you just gone to TNA with that name? I mean, poof. Just Adam Impact. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, let's 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 do something we don't normally do and work backwards because um, you, you had the match a few weeks ago and going into it the greatest wrestling match ever, you know, listen, when hosting on the WWE network, I of course put it over as it's going to be the greatest wrestling match ever here on the podcast. We of course questioned this billing as a wrestling fan, because that is a very difficult thing Taller. to even, yeah. put. it's a tough thing to put. Yeah. It's just very tough. And then I thought you were sort of in a no win situation. Like could it, if you're not the greatest wrestling match ever, it could be viewed as a disappointment. And if it is that great, maybe it doesn't get the credit it deserves. Yet somehow, yeah. I think you guys, I'm not, I don't know if it's the greatest wrestling match ever, but it was a hell of a match. Were, were you happy with it? I was very happy with it. And, and what I did is I threw that, that greatest wrestling match ever out of the equation almost as soon as Vince told me. Um, because it's, there's no such thing. It's completely subjective. I would guarantee that all three of us are going to have their idea of what the greatest wrestling match ever is. Who's the greatest band ever? What's the greatest song ever? What's the greatest movie ever? There is no such thing. So when you can lose that and realize, oh, okay, this is just a promotional tool, got it. But what I wanted to do with it is try and make it a love letter to wrestling, a love letter to this thing that I have loved my entire life. So how do we do that? All right. Well, let's have Howard Finkel introduce yes, this. Beautiful amazing. Yeah, we love that. Let's have the old MSG microphone. Let's have old school introductions with Charles Robinson in a long sleeve shirt and a bow tie explaining the rules to us. Um, 
you know, I wanted to try these pickup shots after the fact to see if they would work. I don't think they did, but uh, apparently Vince loved them and a couple of them got put in and I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. But beyond that, and I was really happy with the fact that we were able to go out there, have a 48, 50 minute, whatever it was match and with barely an audience and, and try and pull this thing off. Um, you know, if anyone got too bogged down on the, well, I don't know where I'd rate it. You're missing the point, man. It's, it's really just supposed to be a love letter to wrestling and something to try and enjoy when nothing else is happening in the world, except for a lot of really bad things. Yeah. And um, that, that's all it was. And, and to be able to go out there and, and go 48 minutes in essentially my second match back, I, I'm proud of that and feel like I didn't really miss a step, even though I tore my triceps. <laughs> <laughs> when, by the way, when did that happen? When did the... Uh, RKO. Um, and, uh, you know, in talking to the doctor once I woke up from surgery, he said, there's a good chance you went in with it partially torn already. Uh, my elbow had been bugging me for probably about a month. And what I learned from this is that I need to listen to that from now on. It's not, I'm not 25 Hell, I'm not 35. Yeah, you're not Adam Impact anymore. No Adam Impact. Adam Impact just would have, would have made it through. Uh, what, what I need to realize now is if my elbow is aching and burning, there's probably something going on. Uh, I'm just thankful I made it through the match, to be perfectly honest. And, and contrary to reports, we did it once straight through. I made it through it. And then after that, we did four pickup shots You know, after we filmed the entire match. And, and what did you uh, guys insist on that? Cause I know that tapings have been complicated. Was, so the, the, we did the match straight through boom, done. And I should have been satisfied with that because it, it, that's all it needed to be. But in driving down to Orlando on one of these trips, because I've been driving them a pickup, I haven't been flying. I, when they told me the greatest wrestling match ever, I was like, okay, well, how do we make this thing different? What if, what if I wore a GoPro <laughs> and, and this way and, and just tried, because if you're going to try anything, now's the time, right? Right. So right now you can get away with a boneyard match and now you can get away with these angles because you're not in front of a live audience. So I just wanted to try something different. If it didn't work great, we don't put it in the match, but if it does work, now we have a new tool for the entire industry and for the company going forward to be able to dip into, because if these work, imagine the camera angles you can get for a ladder match. Imagine the camera angles you can get for, for any kind of stipulation match. That was my thinking. Now I can look back and go, they weren't needed. And but you had, eh. but you had the right attitude because, you know, frankly, I think as fans, we week to week, um, there's frustration when those risks aren't being taken. Because right now, you're right, it is the time. If, if, if they just go out there every week and do the same thing with no crowd and try to pretend it's all the same, it's not taking advantage. Not, it's, not, it's not doing what I think the, what great art forms do, which is making the most out of whatever the available options are. You're, you're trying to adapt, right? And, and you're just throwing spaghetti out the wall to see what sticks. And that's really what my thought process was with those pickup shots. Again, once I saw them in, because the first cut I got was just our match with, with none of the, the shots put in. And I was like, right, that's all it needs to be. Vince wanted to put them in because we did them and let's see how it feels, how it works. I didn't like them. For me, it, it took me out of the match. Even though they were like two seconds long, it still, it just took me out of it. But that's also why I didn't mind the piped in crowd noise. That's why I didn't mind like soccer does it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, all these other things do it. So why can't we try it too? So I get that. And I get promoting it as the greatest wrestling match ever. I get trying to use some different things to get people interested and invested. And let's face it, there's been more talk about this match, I think, because it was billed as that yep. than there would if it wasn't billed as that. It's very true. So, yep. And you did something that I think was smart. Um, I think final thought is I think that was Vince's thought process. And I think in that regard, it worked. Yeah, yeah. agreed. And in promoting it too, I think you did something really that I thought was smart on social media is that you were going the other way with it. Everything was the greatest blank ever. Like if it was the greatest lemonade you ever had, it was the greatest pizza you ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I think that helped manage people's expectations. 
I had to have some fun with it, right? Because it, it was a pressure cooker. You know, um, the, a lot of what I was saying in my promos was true, which is why I think the promos worked. Man, that's my first straight wrestling match at that point coming up. It was like almost nine and a half years. And, and what a lot of what Randy was saying in the promos was true. A Royal Rumble is not a straight up wrestling match. A last man standing match is not a straight up wrestling match. So now you're under the microscope. You are in a, a straight up wrestling match and now it's being billed back. So as much as I tried to throw that title out of the way, you still want to live up to something. You still want to try and have something that can, can be at least be remembered. Right. So, um, you know, and then by the time we're done, somebody told me it's like close to 50 minutes. And I was like, well, damn, I, I feel pretty great. My triceps a little sore though. Right. 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 <laughs> now, did you, did you think the, um, did you think the Mania match – what do you think of the Mania match? I, I, I thought it was very good. I did understand the criticism of it being a bit long. I thought that one could have been shaved down a bit, not that I know anything. But I, I didn't feel that way about this one. What did you think about the Mania match relative to this one? Um, I don't really concern myself. You know, I, sometimes I just consider the source, right? Um, and, and if I can have my peers, you know, enjoy it, then I, then I feel like, okay, you know, because they've been in there and they've done it. And so they know kind of the thought process of how it feels to be in there. And a lot of what Randy and I had to do on that day was on the fly because a lot of our plans involved going outside and going on the roof of the performance center and all of these things. Well, by the time we filmed it, it was still daylight when it's going to air is not okay. Crap. We got to wing it. So what you saw was two guys without saying a word to each other, winging 41 minutes or whatever of a fight so everything could have been heard so we just had to go oh so we well that that, that that's kind of completely against what i think people thought they were actually going to be getting what what you got was two guys just going in and fighting and when when people say well it was just a fight well yeah think of the, the story <laughs> it's supposed to be a fight this guy dropped my wife with an rko yeah and by the way, she, she took it maybe better than anyone else in the business today. But <laughs> she has that that uncanny ability. She, yeah. She's really good. She, she didn't tear triceps, so I mean, you yeah. gotta give it to her at least. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, mind you, she didn't springboard into it off the second. <laughs> oh, that's fair. To be fair, and she's not forty six, so you know. <laughs> but um, to me, the the story because the the story jumped into high gear right out of the gate, right from the Royal Rumble on. It started with something simple, me eliminating Randy. Uh, but then the next night it jumped into kind of hyperdrive. So you can't go to a straight wrestling match after that. You can't go to a straight wrestling match after someone physically attacks your wife. It's got to be a fight. And you, and you guys and have the history. That, it may have not been a typical blow-off, but you guys, this is a 10-year history. It's it's a 20-year history. history. yeah. And it had to be what it was at WrestleMania. It couldn't, couldn't go in and exchange holds. And my thought process too was why stay in the ring? There's no audience. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's flat. It's going to hurt. <laughs> and you know, you don't have that to feed off of what we do have is an ability to go all around this place. So that, that was my thought process with that. And because of that, I'm really happy. You know, if people want to complain that my first, match back i go 41 minutes that's your complaint i'm not supposed to be doing this <laughs> after nine years and a triple fusion in my neck i went out there for 41 minutes people complain that you know bill and brock go out and do four so what yeah. is it what do you want right no, i'm gonna bust, i'm gonna bust my ass and i am going to try and give you the best product i possibly can because i'm not gonna phone it in and to me that's what wrestlemania was that's what backlash was. You know, if you, I think if you total the time of my three matches, I probably put in more time than both of those guys since they've been back. That is uh, very strong. Thank you for giving us that quotable very early in the podcast. Um, but I, first of all, I, I, I thought the, I thought both were great. Um, I thought the backlash match was one for the ages. Like, like I really do think that it's one of the things Agreed. we, my question about the COVID period when it comes to wrestling Listen, it's not going to be the best time in the history of wrestling. It's just not. No. What, are, what are the things we're going to take away? And you guys gave us one of the moments we will take away, you know, which I think is I think all you can really hope for. That's all you can work for at this point, really. 
Um, and if, again, I, I'm trying to find the positives because they're there, you know, sometimes you just got to shovel a lot of crap out of the way to find them. And in terms of, as a performer, I'm looking at the promos. The promos have been a lot of fun to, to try and wrap your mind around in this, in this atmosphere and, and what we have in our laps. The matches are not as fun because you feed off of an audience and that's what you work for is those reactions from an audience, right? So I, I look at the promos as, as the instance that I can look at and go, okay, now I can try and bring some of the things that I've done in acting and bring them into this. Um, that, that's a lot of fun. So if I'm looking at the positives, that's what I'm taking away from this. And, um, and hopefully when all of this is said and done, those will be the things that I, that I focus on, I guess. Speaking of, speaking of acting, Money Plan is, uh, is available wherever you can find movies next week, uh, Friday. And um, SGG, I want to bring you in here, but I just want to ask a couple quick things about, about this time before we move on. Number one, is Randy Orton a different guy than when you left? Because by all accounts, everyone talks about Randy sort of being in a new space. He even came out and expressed his support of Black Lives Matter, which um, a lot of people were pleasantly sort of surprised to see from Randy. Yeah. He's just sort of been a more expressive guy. And it, you you worked with him closely through almost every stage of his career. Is he a different guy now than when you left nine years ago? I think Randy's grown up. And I also think he's understood kind of Sometimes as, as professional wrestlers, we go, well, I mean, our job is to go out and wrestle. And, and that's, that's all there is to it. But then with social media now and, and, and all of these different outlets to have a voice, you realize that maybe our voice can matter. And if, if we support something, maybe it can matter. Because I think, again, as a wrestler, you just kind of downplay it or almost self-deprecating and that, okay, well, we jump in around the tights for a living. Is anybody really going to care what my take is on this? But then you start to understand maybe a lot of people do. Maybe our fan base really can be affected by that. And, and um, with that comes maybe a, a knowledge that you didn't necessarily have before. Um, I, I think maybe that's where Randy got to, where he finally just understood, um, oh, we, we have a voice that can be heard and, and it can matter. Um, you know, and in terms of a, as a performer, Randy has always been just top notch. It's just a matter of whether Randy has something that, that he, he can be invested in, um, because it does, it comes so natural to him. And, um, you know, in, in coming back, I knew it needed to be with Randy because I knew if, if, if we had this story that he was going to get excited. So you say that in coming back, you knew you had to work with Randy. Who else is on the hit list? I mean, is there anybody else? Seth Rollins is old. Seth, Rollins, Seth has a debt that he has to pay back to. We didn't forget. He threatened to curb stomp you back when you were in recovery. Man, that, that's what's so exciting about this, this deal. Uh, one of the, the reasons I wanted to come back was to be able to get one of the whole new crop of talent. I, I come from this weird time frame where I've been able to work Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Ric Flair, Team with Hogan, uh, Rick Martel, Bad News Brown. Like I was able to get in the ring with all of the Mr. Perfect, Owen Hart. My gosh, like I, I've been able to get in with all of them. So to be able to have this this gift, you know, put in my lap of being able to come back and looking at this whole new crop of talent who are so talented, so athletically gifted. But if I could get in with them. And just show them little tweaks here and there to get more mileage out of some of their athleticism. That's exciting to me. That's really, really exciting. So when I look at this roster, man, yeah, there's Rollins. That's a gimme. There's AJ Styles, who I've never worked, which seems impossible considering today is 28 years for me. And he's probably been working, you know, 25. Just never in the same place at the same time. Um, a guy like Cesaro. Uh, you know, a guy like Shinsuke, um, Matt Riddle, uh, you know, I, I look at a guy like Ricochet. Oh my God. I would just, I would die to get in there with him and just, mm, 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 let's try, uh, you know, it's, you're, you're not talking call. past tense. You're making it sound like this is not the end of the line. Then this tricep. Yeah. No, no, this is, are you kidding? I've torn my Achilles. This is, this is just a minor, you know, pebble in the road. So do and you have, a, do you have a timeline? Of, uh, in terms of in terms of how long you want to stick around, 
I don't, I don't want to stick around past the point where I can't pull off the kind of match I did at backlash. Right. And, and, and sometimes we don't know when that is. So I'm depending on Beth for that, honestly, you know, to, so I I don't want to get to a point where I, I embarrass myself. I also don't want to get to a point where a young guy looks at the sheet and goes, ah, man, that's going to be some work. I I don't want to do that. (laughs) I want them to be able to look forward to it and go, man, this should be fun. So that, that's kind of where I'm at, you know, on it. And, um, you know, and like I said, I, I, it's, it's not even a knock on guys that go out and do three or four minutes, but I don't want to do that. Right. I want to go out and still be able to, you know, perform at a level that you expected from edge. And as, as long as I can do that, I, I don't know what that window is though. We, I think we just got to play it by ear as we go. Um, but the way I felt at backlash, I think if I had paid more attention to how I felt going in uh, again, that's what I learned from this. Okay. I need to listen to my body. And, um, and yeah, maybe those guys who are doing four and five minute matches are just way smart. <laughs> no, no, that's entirely possible. Um, <laughs> just, I'm just dumb. And they no, have. you love the, this, this, I mean, we both know in the case of both Goldberg and Brock bless them both, but this is a business for them both. This is right. different. Yeah. You are a fan. You were at the sky dome at WrestleMania as a kid. I mean, this, you, this is in your blood. It's a different thing. Yeah. And you know what? It is, it, it's all I ever wanted to do. You know, th- this was the only thing. Once I realized that I wouldn't, I couldn't play guitar because my hands don't work that way. I gave that up by five. I realized that wasn't going to happen. I'm not going to be able to really. Okay. Huh. I want to be like Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And then I just happened to grow to six, four. So it all worked out. But, um, what's that like? What's that like growing to six, four? That sounds great. <laughs> it's fun. It, it happens you, for one summer. I, I went from five eleven to six, four over a summer. My knees were angry. <laughs> And at that point, did it become like realistic? We're like, yo, this could actually really maybe happen. Yeah, you know, because as I'm saying it at, at five foot eleven, and it's like, okay, maybe, 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 and I'm starting to work out, so maybe. But then you start shooting up, and I'm like, oh, okay, Th- this is all this is all coming together now. <laughs> well, some of those guys that you mentioned are in that five foot eleven, uh, six foot range, though. Like you know, Owen was I think five eleven. Sean might be right at six feet, but I think is like six six one. Yeah, I mean, it was going to be doable, but, but when I got over six, I went okay. <laughs> now, now if it doesn't work out, it's only because I'm a dumbass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there, there's so many parts of your career that are so important. Um, who do when you think about your career, um, do you think more about um, the Hardys and the, the, the tag teams you innovated with, or do you think about your history with John Cena? Who, where, where does it really start for you when you think about the opponents that, that really match with you? I, I think it's all of them. And I, I kind of love that part about my career is that you can actually look at it like, like some of the guys that really influenced me when, when I got in the business and I really started to understand the business. So it was, it was Brett and it was Sean and it was perfect. And, and their trajectory, you know, from going from tag team to IC title to, it was a work in progress yep. and, and my career followed that. So that was a lot of fun for me that they're the template that they, they set was what ended up being mine as well. So I don't really focus on one aspect of it. I just, I, I look at kind of, it was segments, sure, but they all mean just as much, I guess. Yeah. What honestly, more than anything, I want this run to mean more than all of them. Like at the end of this, I want people to go, I think he was better now than he was when he was working John. And I want to do that by doing a bunch of little things that might fly under the radar, but if you're really paying attention, they're there. And that's what I got from watching a guy like Bret Hart, because to me, Bret is Daniel Day-Lewis and he does the little things that even without the multiple camera angles that were available at the time got picked up, but they were so subtle. Well, can you tell and us something? Cause we're both the world's biggest Brett fans. Tell us something. Here's a, for instance, him and one, two, three kid Monday night raw. I remember that raw. He, he takes an arm drag the way he sold that. I understood the entire story with just that one little cell. I got it. 
you, if you can explain the entire story of that match to me with one cell, my God, now you are on a different plane altogether. And what I loved about Brett's matches is he brought a sense of realism to them. And also he adapted to everyone. So if you look at yep. the King of the Ring, right? He works, he works Razor Ramon, Mr. Perfect, Bam Bam Bigelow. All three are completely different matches. That to me is a testament to someone's ability to be able to work anyone. And when you can work anyone, now you are, are in a different Elite. stratosphere. Um, the Undertaker obviously has been um, a topic conversation because of the last ride and because uh, we as wrestling fans are so dumb that most of us actually believe this is truly the end. But I do not believe it will <laughs> be the end. I, I believe there will be one more. And furthermore, more importantly, you, had a, you guys were really together a lot. I mean, th there was that SmackDown run where there was a lot of time for you and, and Undertaker. Um, what was your relationship like and just how good was he? Because I could argue that at that point in his career, it might have been his prime. Yeah. Well, and, and here's when you know you got a great career. There can be multiple times where you, you could argue it's his prime, right? Um, uh, we, we really connected on that because up until that point, we'd never had a singles match. And our second singles match ever was WrestleMania 24. We had one match in Chile and we went like 45 minutes just to see how we felt. And realized pretty quickly like okay we, we got something here and um you know just just to where he was at when i first came in he was already a locker room leader and you watch kind of how he was able to keep i think one of my quotes from from the documentary was able to keep the dead man alive and the way he was able to do that was to change his style and to make tweaks to the character and then double back and bring back more of the classic taker, but without the, you know, the, the white makeup. And, and so elements of American badass and taker and, and then even going forward to now in the match with AJ, you know, it's, it's this triple headed beast. You're getting Mark Calloway, you're getting American badass, you're getting the undertaker. That, that is a guy who really has an understanding of his character more so than, than anybody probably in the history of the industry. Um, that's hard, man, to, to be able to work at the very tippity top for 30 years. That's unheard of. It, it really is with a character who, if, if you just wrote that list of what that character is on paper and handed it to someone, they'd go, well, that'll never work. <laughs> right. right. It, or, yeah. or, or it work in 1991, but then it's going to die. Right. But it ain't going to work for 30 years. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> It did. Yeah, un unreal. SUG, what do you got for Edge? Yeah, now you mentioned talking to some of the younger guys and like working with them. A name I know you didn't mention was Roman. Oh, could, you, could you just get, didn't. Could we get the spear and spear battle? <laughs> could we get the I, real I, spear I, v spear battle? Man, we got in there at the Rumble, and um, sometimes you just get in there with somebody and you feel it right, right from jump. He's one of those guys. And we, we got in there and as we're, we're coming together and we're both like getting ready, I was like, Ooh, okay, we got something here. He's a guy who, uh, who you can tell gets it. I, I love watching his matches. He, he, uh, I love his style. You can tell he was raised in this industry. Um, I, I would love to get in there with him and I would love to also get in there with him in terms of promos. And, and really force them and, and push them to find that, that level that I know is there. He's Samoan. It's there. Right. right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I would love to be the guy that's trying to light that. Oh. And, and that, that's a huge, huge, you know, thing that I want to try and do. That's a, that's a great uh, way of putting it too. Cause I think everyone knows it's there with, with Roman. Um, you, by one, my one thought about you coming back is that it's going to be so hard to root against you. And I love rooting against you. I mean, I would argue that bad edge was the last truly hated bad mm -hmm. guy in this business. I mean, if, if we go back and I have to go here, cause one of my, the most fascinating things in, in modern wrestling to me is the you and Matt Hardy story, which really catapulted. I think the, the visceral yeah. hate that lasted 
and, and we have to give credit to Lita as well, who played into it perfectly. But um, first of all, let's just start at the beginning of that. Is the friendship you had with Matt overstated for the sake of the story, or is it really sort of as as bad as it appeared when looking back at it? I mean, the Edge and Christian and the Hardys were were great buddies. Um, and, and we would, whoops, we would, you know, go to Outback after and, and grab by teat and spitball ideas for matches and all of those things. We didn't ride together. We didn't, you know, it was never that it was always me and Jay and, uh, or me and Lance or, you know, um, but we, we were obviously close because we made our mark together. Mm. So when, when you do that, you share something that will never be that you only share with them and you throw the Dudleys into that mix. And we will always share that experience together. Um, but you know, after everything went down, I realized, okay, oh gosh, how did I find myself here? What did I do now? You got to, you know, face up to it. So how'd you and, guys and deal with it? How, how you guys managed to work together. And I know it was a little bit of time had passed, but still, I mean, you guys were both so professional in the ring yeah, having brutal the matches. I, I just give you both, and I talked to Matt about it a few months ago, and, you know, I, I'm just, I think it's such a remark to me, Adam, I don't know if you thought about it this way. It's the ultimate wrestling story. The point of the story is that you guys are supposed to look like you're hurting each other, but you're really caring for each other. And in this case, there's real anger and animosity where mm -hmm. Matt could want to hurt you, but yet you guys took care of each other. Well, yeah, you got to be pros. And, and also, you know, back to my point of finding positives when it doesn't seem like there's any on the surface, you just got to dig underneath the surface. This was one of those. And you have to go, okay, we're here. Now, what do we do? Well, let's try and make some money together. And let's try and further both of our careers out of this. And hopefully out of this, we can be not only stronger performers, but maybe stronger people too. And that usually doesn't happen within the context of a wrestling story. <laughs> so, um, so it, it's a little bit more because of that. And I think that's also the, maybe the first instance of people going, Oh wait, there's reality in this too. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's remembered. And, and I think in terms of us kind of splitting off from ENC and the Hardys respectively, I think that one was what set everything in motion going forward for, for both of us and, and for, for Lita as well. I mean, because that, that flipped her entire character on its head and she was able to adapt and take it and, and run with it. When, if you had said two years earlier, probably the most popular female in the history of the industry could end up being the most despised. I mean, that's not what was, was anything hard about it uh, that period though. And I mean, you cause you essentially had your singles ascent during that time, but I'm, I'm guessing I would imagine in public, you know, it did appear, this is not the 2004 and 2005 is not right now. So I'm guessing you guys did still have to deal with some of the repercussions of the whole thing. Yeah. And, and I think for me personally, I can only speak for me personally. It's I, I realized I put myself in this position, so I have to, have to deal with it. And how do you deal with it? Okay, well, try and be a pro and, and honestly try and have all of us come out stronger on the back end of it. We're already here. So again, what make the most of it? What are the, what are the positives that we can pull out of this in, in what, when you look at it, go, man, this is a giant negative. Did you and Jeff stay cool mm -hmm. through it or was that hard to, I, I, we went through a period as I think any brother who would support his brother, but then, you know, we came out of it on the backside. And I think when we all realized that we, we ended up in better places anyway, um, and, and we all grew from it, it was just a lousy way to, to do it. Um, but that, that's, that's all you can do. Um, that's life. How was, uh, how was the run with Hogan? What can you tell us about that? What stands out when you think about working with Hulk Hogan? I just, I just felt like a little kid. You know, I, I really did. Hogan was the guy that I first really just kind of blew the doors off for me. He was the first guy that I, I saw and went, wait, he's the Incredible Hulk come to life. He's four come to life. Like I can go down and smack hands with that dude at Maple Leaf Gardens if I get the right seat. So to then, you know, be asked if, well, what do you think about teaming with Hogan? 
are you, what are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, I was at WrestleMania six with my Hulk rules tank top on and a mullet like that. I'm, I'm, I am in for this. So wait, that wasn't and your idea. Somebody came to you with that. I, yeah, Paul Hammond called me and uh, he said, so we're thinking about this. And I was like, yeah, I mean, anytime that you can inject uh, some truth into something, it, it's probably going to work because the audience, they might not necessarily know exactly what it is, but they're going to feel that something, that element of truth in it. And if you can find an element of truth in every storyline and just bite into that and hold on to that and use that as your North Star, your compass, then it's, it's probably going to work. And with that, there was so much truth in it. Like if you watch back the night we won the tag team titles, when real American hits, I'm actually like singing along to it, you know, and, and just, I didn't realize it. I was when we would do backstage promos, when he would start going into his, his deal, I would be mouthing it. I didn't know what he was going <laughs> to say, but I was somehow mouthing his, his Hulk isms, you know, cause I grown up watching them. So it was, it was just a blast. And also something that, I never assumed would happen because I didn't think we'd be peers at the same time. I didn't think we'd be in the same company. It's just all of those things coming together and, and this thing able to happen. I just, I never thought it would be a thing. I never thought I would be doing a pose down with Hulk Hogan in Calgary after a tag or a, a cage match with Kurt Angle, you know? Yeah. It's it like was, you said, your career just threads together so many different eras and stars and stuff. Like who's who. Yeah. I got, I got, I was really, really lucky in that regard that I just came in in a, a time when there was still enough of those guys around that I could pick their brains and learn from and get in there with. And that's when you really learn is when you're in the ring with someone. So I'm working bad news Brown seven nights a week out through the Maritimes and we're going half an hour a night, man, there, there's no better way to learn. What was he like? What can you tell us about bad news? Oh man, bad news. Um, I, I love that man. He, uh, you know, you see bad news and you think, <laughs> bad news. And he, yeah, he's a bad man, you know, um, for whatever reason, he really liked Jay and I. And I think it's because he saw how much we loved wrestling. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, this didn't work out. So I'm going to try and be a wrestler. Now. I think he understood that this is all we ever wanted to be. And because of that, he took us under his wing. And he took us to Japan and he took us to, to all these places and requested to work me out in the Maritimes. Um, did, that was huge, you know, and, and um, really one of the first instances of somebody of that level kind of showing me what it can be like when you get to that level. Like you can take these guys if you see that they have a passion for this thing and try and take them under their wing and then get in there with them and try and teach them. And and for me, bad news, man, he just was so important to me as a person and also as, you know, what what he did learning for me too. At that stage in his career, could he still deliver a strong ghetto blaster? It was strong, man. It it was there. I mean, it, it, there was a couple nights where I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> did he ever tell you, did he ever tell you any of his stories that you hear, you know, it's stories Bruce Pritchard tells about his, him being like the one guy Andre did not want to mess with. Bad news. Didn't, didn't need to talk about how bad he was. It was just, a, it was known. It's known. Known man. And I think the truly bad ones, they don't talk about it because they just know. Um, what about Owen? How did you get to learn much from Owen in the, in the few years you guys were together in WWE? Yeah, man. Uh, Owen, Owen was one of those guys also like I'd sit in my art class, right. And just think of ideas. If I ever wrestled Owen Hart, Oh, this is what I'd like to do. Oh, maybe, maybe we can do this. Maybe we could do that. Um, so to get in there with him in Hamilton, you know, and, and to be able to have a pay-per-view match with them. We wrestled, you know, a lot against each other in tag team matches and things like that. But to be able to, to do that was amazing. And what Owen also taught me is to try and have fun when you're on the road because it can be a, a grind. So you got to have ways to keep yourself sane. And, and Owen was like this beacon for that. And he also helped us navigate just the little things that go along with it. Like, okay, if your flight's canceled, he had like this, this flight book. 
So he would automatically know which airline to go to to catch this flight for this hub to this. Da, 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 da. So he would connect what? in Toronto. Okay, our flight's canceled. Let's go over here. And we would just follow him like sheep. And he, he taught us how to navigate that aspect. And, and that was huge, massive, because otherwise I'd, I would have been sitting in Toronto missing pay-per-views not knowing what, what do I do? What do I do? How do I do this? Because of Owen, I figured out how to do it. How much is there a bond with uh, among, and it is Canada day. How much of a bond is there when you get to WWE among Canadians? And it was a, a really a strong time, the time that you came in for how many Canadians there were. Is there a real bond there? Uh, yeah, because I think especially when we came in, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot. And it hadn't happened a lot. It was still, you know, one of those kind of uh, untapped areas, I think. You know, you had the hearts and you had guys making their, their, their way in Mexico and Japan. But it really wasn't a thing in the WWF at that point so much. You know, you had the Rujos and Rick Martel and, and you had Brett and Owen. But it wasn't, it was still difficult. Um, this is pre all of social media and being able to get your name out there on all of those things. So it was just like up in the great white North and, and nobody really knows about you. So when, when those doors started being cracked open and it was due to guys like Brett Nolan, because Brett was the one that got me on the radar of, of, you know, Jim Ross and everyone. So when that starts to happen and then you get this influx because there was a lot of talent up there, just nobody knew about it there is a sense of, of camaraderie because you, you essentially came from nowhere and now suddenly you're on TV in front of 120 countries or whatever it is. Um, does the STFU hurt like hell? <laughs> the STFU um, will legitimately knock you out if you are already trapped in a ladder. That I can say. Yeah, watch sounds the like TLC. Experience. Yeah, yeah. Watch, watch the TLC match from uh, from Toronto back, and I'm trapped in a ladder. And the STFU. Watch that that little segment back, and and see what happens. <laughs> there's some sleeping. There's a quick nap. There's, there's a quick <laughs> nap in there. Yeah. Uh, SGG, you have. We gotta let him go. Any last things for Edge? Yeah. Just my last question. I mean. We were talking about your career before you got on, and just like you've done it, you've done it all in terms of the titles that you can hold in WWE. Every title that was available on any show that you you had it, King of the Ring, Money in the Bank, Royal Rumble, you did it all. But now you're back. The Universal Championship wasn't around when you were active. Is that is that one more chip looking to add to the trophy case, or are you satisfied with where you are? I don't know. I guess I got to figure out what the lineage of the World Heavyweight Championship was because I never lost it. So uh, <laughs> you know. The, the, there might there might be a story there one day. Wait, well, well, by the way, good luck figuring it out because they switched the titles <laughs> yeah. a few months ago, and I I can't remember anymore. Uh, yeah, and if it's that hard to figure out, then we probably won't go there. But <laughs> you know, honestly, I I want to get in there, and I just want to try and help some talent um, make the next step. And I think there's a lot of talent there that can, and that was done for me by the Mr. Perfects and the Owens and the Bad News and the Rick Martells and, and the Rick Flairs and the, like all of those names that I mentioned, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, like all of those guys were instrumental in me making that final step. And if I can help do that, then that's paying it forward. And I didn't feel like I fully got to do that when I was forced to retire. I was just starting to. And, and I really want to do that in this last last uh, run of edge so you can tell us uh, here's our big quotable moment you can tell us with confidence that edge will be around when crowds come back to wwe yes oh yeah i i'm not coming back just for one crowd night i i, I need to to feel that again um so that there that's definitive that is wonderful news for all of us, man. Uh, the movie is out July 10th, next Friday, Money Plane. Go Money watch Plane. it everywhere you can find movies online. Edge, anytime you ever want to talk, um, it's really a pleasure getting to have you. We're, we're so glad as fans that you're back. Ah, thanks, man. It's good to be back, man. That's, that's just how I'm looking at it. This is all just a huge gift that fell in my lap, and I just want to enjoy it and soak it all in. Oh, us too, man. Thank you so much. I'll keep waving the banner. All right. That's right. Official Edge Head. <laughs> All right. Peace, dude. Thanks, Edge. Bye-bye. There he is, Edge, ladies and gentlemen. Um, SGG, 
Um, what a guy. Wait, what a, what a great yeah. space he appears to be in, too. I know. I mean, and I'm glad to hear that he's going to stick around and be back, like, for some crowd shows, because... Dude, it didn't sound wait. like... By the way, I'll... Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, like he's, I'm looking forward to him getting in there with some of those no, guys. No, no, no. Like go, go ahead. Give credit where credit's due. Uh, you remember the argument we had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I said he was coming back. I said it was a and real he's comeback. Be back. Yeah. This is yeah, such good news, though. I, w- I was scared we'd never get yeah. the crowd. I, w- I was scared that would be it, and we would never get it. So it's great news. No, and, like, he's allowed to recover while there's no crowd shows going on. He's not missing anything. And then probably right about the time when we go back, he'll be back. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I didn't ask, and we didn't ask for a specific timeline, but I, mean, I think the tricep is, a, it depends, like three, six, seven Yeah, months. you did, but I don't, think he, I don't think he had an answer yet. It might take, like, a little bit more rehab and, like, figuring out exactly where he is versus, like, the typical timetable. But, but he said he's guaranteed to come back. Guaranteed <laughs> to be here when crowds are here, want. so. Um, well, listen, um, maybe we'll do, we'll, we'll do a regular show next week. We'll come back. We'll break down everything that happens on the, uh, on the Great American Bash and the AEW free purview that they got going on this week. Um, I got to go do the Michael K show right now. Um, SUG, did you have Black Power Rankings? Oh, yes, of course I did. Shad Gaspard Black Power Rankings. Sorry, do you have – let's go ahead with the Shad Gaspard Black Power Rankings before we wrap up. Uh, black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. I'm blickety black, blacker than black, black, I'm blacker than black. In at number three, I'm going to give it to MVP. He finally got in the ring. Well, he's been in the ring since he's been back, but he got in the ring and he's been doing some of his own dirty work. And I thought, I was so excited when he won on Monday. I thought that he won the U.S. championship. It was a non-title match. But a victory over the champion, whether you are the champion or not, is a is a victory nonetheless. So MVP is coming in back. number three. Oh, I think that's his first win since he's been back. I think so too. So over the congrats cha- to MVP. It could be a matter of time before he brings the US championship back around his waist. Greatest too. US um, champion ever. And in at number two, I'm gonna go with the boss, Sasha Banks. Um, her quiet win streak continued. She also pinned the champion this past Monday. Um she beat Asuka. It was a mixed tag match. Dolph Ziggler was rendered useless by Drew McIntyre, and then Sasha went in and handled business and pinned Asuka. So, you know, come July 19th, we could be looking at, um, what's she said, two belts banks by the end of it. She could be double champion, pin Asuka again. And she bought the stamp back, too, for the contract signing, which I loved. I loved in NXT, the, the Sasha Banks stamp that she would use. And then in a number one, I'm throwing it to the Black Wrestling Podcast. Um, over Juneteenth, over Juneteenth, they did what they call the the Black Wrestling uh, Podcast 50, which is sort of like the PWI 500, but it's 50 Black wrestlers instead of. So wait, and, is your number so number one in your rankings is a ranking of is is the number one in the rankings is another ranking? Yes, the number wow, one. Wow, this is, is I got to tell you, SGG, you're an innovator if nothing else. It's another ranking. Uh, they have the 50 best black wrestlers over the course of the year. I think they were doing June to June from last year to this year. In a number one, predictably, is uh, Kofi Kingston. But the rest of the list is really interesting just seeing where uh, different people um, shake out. You know, So I, I encourage everybody to go listen to that. Did they give credit to the Black Power Rankings as being the forefather of uh, Black Power Rankings? They did not, but uh, but to in their to their defense, they've been doing this for a few years. So oh, really? Well, they, yeah, they, they don't. Last, then they don't they owe you anything. Year. <laughs> yeah, they did it last year, and I think they did it the year before that. So I mean, maybe I should be giving credit to them. It's a great point. The I didn't realize so you stole from them like that. Damn, that's foul. <laughs> that's why they're in at number one. Listen, the timeline yeah. is shaky, but just in case they got there first, <laughs> right. they're in at number one right now. So everybody should go check that so out. The Black Wrestling podcast. podcast. Yes. All right, go check I'll out keep the, the link Black. Up. And you can get it wherever you find podcasts. Um, and and also make sure you uh make sure you tell a friend and tell a friend about cheap eat rosenbergbeats at gmail.com if you want to email, or you can tweet us stack guy Greg on Twitter, Rosenberg Radio. Don't forget to follow the ultimate wrestling merch on Instagram. We'll be back next week. SGG, do me a favor and uh, and take it easy this week. And stay mage. It's professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening.
At this time, I would like to introduce in the corner to my left the majesty. Sweet, sweet Peter Rosenberg. And then I went to makeup and like sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce. Shout out to that guy, Greg. Red Heart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. Mitch. Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're gonna sleep in the car now. Happy Geico-ween. Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents.